Malden near Colchester prior to a march on London. The enterprise depended on the French Navy winning command of the Channel from the Royal Navy, but a massive storm in February 1744 ripped apart the rival fleets off Dungeness, ensuring that no French invasion could take place that year. Even so, the revelation of the French invasion plan concentrated mines in London, where the government, under the leadership of Henry Pelham, who had been in office since December 1743, was well aware of the possibility that Scotland might provide fertile ground for a fresh Jacobite challenge backed by France. There had been several attempts at restoring the Stuarts earlier in the century, the most serious having been mounted in 1715. But by the 1740s, support for the cause had narrowed itself down to Scotland, where the main centres of Jacobite influence were in the north-east, and in the highland areas beyond the Great Glen. Of course, there were still Jacobite sympathisers in England. But the harsh reality was that most of the great pro-Jacobite families had effectively embraced the Whig regime, which had been in power since the succession of King George I in 1714, and was to reign supreme until the reign of King George III. Of particularly vital concern to them, was the important patronage which this so-called Whig supremacy was able to offer. If any revolt were to be raised in the 1740s, the odds were that it would come from Scotland. With that in mind, the government ordered their commander-in-chief in Scotland, Lieutenant General Sir John Cope, to make preparations for the defence of the Highlands, as that remote landmass would be the most likely focus for the raising of a revolt in support of the Stuart cause. Cope was an experienced veteran who had fought at the Battle of Dettingen, and he acted quickly by making immediate use of the defences put in place by Field Marshal George Wade in the wake of the earlier Jacobite rebellion in 1715. As part of his pacification policy for the north of Scotland, Wade was responsible for the construction of defensive points at Fort George, Fort Augustus, and Fort William, the aim being to control the important line of communication through Loch Ness and Loch Lochy, the route of the later Caledonian Canal. Reacting to the government's orders, Cope ordered three company of Guise's regiment to march to Fort William, the southernmost strong point, while an additional three companies moved to Fort Augustus, and two others deployed to Fort George outside Inverness. At the same time, single companies were sent to smaller garrisons at Bonera and at Riven near King Eusey. There was also a small presence at Castle Duart on the island of Mull. Each company should have been about seventy strong, but detachments had had to be withdrawn to furnish working parties on the roads, so the garrisons in place were inadequate to mount a serious defence to a determined attacking force. The challenge was not long in coming. The French warship sighted by Captain Wilson was the Dutel or Dutelet, a trim little frigate lightly armed and made for speed. It was owned by a French privateer of Irish extraction called Antoine Walsh, a former French naval officer whose father Philip had transported James Stuart to France from Ireland following the disastrous Jacobite campaign of 1689. On board were Prince Charles and his party, which included seven boon companions who were later to become immortalised in Jacobite folklore as the Seven Men of Moidart. As befitted those who had espoused the Jacobite cause in exile, they were a most extraordinary band of followers, the ailing and gout-ridden William Murray, Marquess of Tullibardine, 
also styled Duke of Athol by his followers. Aeneas MacDonald, the expedition's banker, who was in the party to win over his brother Donald of Kinloch Moidart. Colonel Francis Strickland, the only Englishman and a member of an old Westmoreland Jacobite family, and four Irishmen, Sir Thomas Sheridan, the prince's old tutor, George Kelly, a Protestant clergyman, Sir John MacDonald, a dipsomaniacal former cavalry officer, and Colonel John William O'Sullivan, a presumptuous Franco-Irish army officer. According to the memoirs of the Chevalier James Johnson, an Edinburgh-born Jacobite sympathizer and later an aide to Prince Charles who kept a record of the enterprise, all had varying degrees of military experience, but none were in the first flush of youth. They constituted, in his opinion, a ridiculous retinue. What bound them together was the prince's plan to sail to Scotland to raise a rebellion amongst Jacobite supporters and then to put his father...